Bellator 206 Fight Predictions. Dun, dun, dun. Hey guys, Fight Junkie here. Before we jump into this next episode, I want to remind you guys you can follow me on Twitter at FightJunkieCom. Listen to me on Anchor.fm. And of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fightjunkie2006. So Bellator 206 is coming up September 29th. There's a couple of fights on the card that I think we can maybe cash in on. I generally don't do too much Bellator, and I'll tell you why. First of all, most of their cards are on a Friday and most of the time, we have a UFC card on Saturday. So obviously, when you're looking at the two cards, you're always going to cap generally first the UFC card. That leaves little time to even look at Bellator. The other thing that I don't like about Bellator is they put a lot of their fight cards on tape delay. I'm out in the West Coast. You guys know I live in Vegas. and That's a problem, this tape delay stuff. I don't like that at all. Another thing when you're talking about odds, which we're going to get into here in a second, but as of right now, this card only has straight lines, and they finally put will go, won't goes. That's it. And we're talking the fight is Saturday. And generally, they're on Friday. So if it's on Friday, you usually get the lines on Thursday. In this case, since it's going to be Saturday, they'll probably come out tomorrow or maybe later today. And that's just ridiculous. I mean, you're they're giving you basically a day. And then during that time, you're watching potential bets, potential lines change all over the place because the only thing people have to bet are straight bets. So that can be a problem. The other thing is, as far as the odds are concerned, they don't even put odds on the undercard. So this, these odds I'm going to talk about when you have to cap these fights on Bellator and your potential picks are all main cards. So you're generally looking at like five, six fights, and that's all you have to choose from. So that's a problem. Generally, I won't do Bellator, and those are the reasons why. Um, quick glance over here on these fights. The first one I see is Dakota Zimmerman. She's fighting Carrie Ann Taylor Melendez, who is the wife of Gilbert, uh, UFC fighter Gilbert Melendez. Um, right here, this is a mismatch, guys. I'm just going to tell you that right now. The problem is the odds also suggest it's a mismatch. Uh, Carrie actually opened at minus 400, and then she skyrocketed. I don't know if that 400 line is right. I saw her at 9. I would think that's way more accurate. If anybody got her at 4, you got a gift. Uh, let's just go with the 9 to 1. Uh, she's already at 10 to 1 now as a favorite. Zimmerman's sitting at plus 650. Again, since this is Bellator, the only thing I'm currently looking at here is a fight will go or a fight won't go. They have absolutely nothing else. That will The props will come out later, but again, how long do I wait before I bring you guys this stuff? I would have already brought you my opinions and what I thought on this card had the line been out earlier because we have no UFC on Saturday, but of course, there's nothing to really talk about but straight bets. So luckily, I waited long enough and we can talk about over-under, but beyond that, expect later today or maybe tomorrow props to come out and then i'll just kind of give you my opinion there and if you see the props come out you can reference this podcast and then maybe see if it fits in line with you like i said i usually like to go over them with you simply because when you're talking not only the prop like i can tell you like i think carrie's gonna stop zimmerman but 
she's such a large favorite, we would have to see what she is favored inside to see the risk versus reward if that was something we want to play. I definitely wouldn't recommend you guys playing at 9 to 1 and 10 to 1 straight. That goes against my risk versus reward. We can't we can't do that. The risk is too great for the reward. So then you go down the list and you look at over-unders and props to see if there's still a way that you can cash. And sometimes you can do it and sometimes you can make really good money with a lot less investment. So as far as what we're able to do right now, the only thing we have is will go, won't go. And that's a three-round fight. Uh, the won't go currently is at minus 165 and the will go is plus 125. The won't go opened at minus 135. I think that's the way you play this if we don't get props or if the props uh, for carry inside don't look good to you. And again, I can't tell you what that is because I don't know what number you're looking for. I don't know what number it comes out at. I don't know what number you end up getting, how the line moves. But I think Carrie's um, going to stop her. Zimmerman's pretty bad on the feet. And Carrie's 2-0, and she's got two stoppages. But beyond that, she has a lot of kickboxing experience. I think on the feet, this is a, just it's a total mismatch. I, I, I would be very surprised if uh, Melendez doesn't get her out of there. Um, another fight on the card I think you should look at is um, Douglas Lima. He's fighting Andre Korshkov. Um, that one, they've fought before. And I was a little bit surprised that um, Lima opened as the underdog here because he did stop Andre in the third round when they fought previous. Um, that's the pre the last fight they did fight. Um, they did fight twice. So this is the third fight. The last fight, Douglas won the first fight. Uh, Andre won. So Douglas won by stoppage in the last time, the first time they fought, um, Andre won by decision. And that was a five round fight. The previous fight was a three-round stoppage. So those fights seem to be pretty well contested, pretty close. They match up pretty well. Uh, Lima's actually coming off a loss to Rory, but he did amazingly well. Like He had Rory in real trouble with those lay kicks. And previous to that, he's won three in a row. And then you go back to that uh last loss was to Andre. So he's right there. He's been looking good. He's been looking better as of late. And again, like uh, Andre's only lost twice and one of those is to Lima. So the, I think it's going to be a competitive fight. I think you're going to get a, a close competitive fight that of course Lima's already shown he can stop him. Andre's shown, shown that he can win. He can defeat Douglas. So I think with that type of fight being kind of like a toss-up. The plus 135 that Douglas opened is nice. Um, they do have a will-go, won't-go for the three rounds, and it's minus 170 goes to, and won't-go is uh, plus 130. I don't really like any of the props in this fight simply because they're very closely matched. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Douglas could be competitive and we could see a decision-type fight. I don't want to rule him out as being only able to win one way. So I think that's a case. If you do end up liking Lima, you just take him straight. And on the flip side, if you do like Andre, it's the same thing. I mean, his line these lines aren't crazy. He opened at minus 175. He's currently minus 145. Then I think you can, you can make a case for either guy playing either way. I just happen to like the underdog and what I think is going to be a close fight. Um, another fight here that I don't even 
know what I'm talking about. It's embarrassing, but is the Quentin Jackson and the Vanderlei Silva fight. This one, both guys are coming off a loss to Chael Sonnen. I mean, Rampage looked absolutely worse. I actually think Vanderlei looked better in his loss to Chael than Rampage did, if I'm all being honest. Like, he, Rampage has a better chin, and he seems like he's still there, like, physically. But he's just, he seems lazy to me. Like, he doesn't seem like he puts in any effort. I don't know if the guy even trains, honestly, anymore. He's 40. His fight with Chael was beyond pathetic. I mean, he just doesn't throw any punches. That's kind of been a knock on him for a long time now. Just not being active enough. He's just not throwing punches. And so that leads to him losing on the cards more often than not. Of his 13 losses, seven are by decision. And, I mean, that's that's what happens when you don't throw punches. Luckily for him, he's facing Vanderlei, who will, who will press the fight, who will throw punches. And I think Rampage is the more sturdy guy at this stage of the game. I think he has a little bit more left physically than what Vanderlei does. Vanderlei will bring it. Don't get me wrong. He will bring what he has, but I'm not sure how much he can take. Where I think Rampage Rampage could probably take some of the assault from Vanderlei and not just be sparked out cold and either clinch him or hug him or slow the pace down where he could survive. Where I'm not sure how much damage Vanderlei can take from Rampage at this stage. Your first, I know everybody's first inclination here is to think that somebody's going to get stopped, but I have to caution that because, like I said, these guys are not at the top of their game. Rampage has a history of not throwing any punches. That can be a dangerous thing to take, like, a uh, a minus line here on somebody or on the under. So we're, when we're talking about the under here, the fight won't go to decisions minus 195. The fight goes to decisions plus 155. So when you're looking at that, you go, oh, this is going under. Obviously, it's going under. Somebody's getting knocked out. But I would just caution to take a little bit deeper look at that because I'm not so sure. Like, if I see somebody getting knocked out, I actually see Silva getting knocked out quicker than I, see, I do Jackson. But if Jackson's not on the ball and Vanderlei comes in with his flurry and then Jackson throws a punch or is able to clinch him and then they just hug it out for however long and then they break and they're up against the cage and they're clinching. This type of style of fight when you have two older fighters that sometimes aren't at their peak and aren't really in it like how we would expect them to be, that's what happens. Go look at Rampage's last fight. I mean, it's embarrassing. It really is. Quentin comes in as a favorite at minus 275, and Vandalay's plus 235. Uh, that's pretty much where they open. They open Rampage at minus 265. So there's not been a lot of line movement there. I'm kind of surprised people are just betting Quentin straight at the 275. I get it because I do favor him as well. But this isn't one where I can really tell you, like, you got to bet this guy. You got to bet that guy. I do favor Quentin. If I was betting him, I would probably take him straight. I mean, there is a risk that he gets outworked, and that's going to be in every single fight now. You're just hoping that the durability of Silva isn't there and Quentin can hit him and knock him out. So if somebody said, well, I like Quentin, but I'm just going to gamble on the inside. If the line was decent enough, much lower than the straight, I, I couldn't argue that because with his lack of activity, 
you're always worried, like, is he going to lose the rounds and he can only win by knockout? So that's something just to look at. I wasn't really impressed with that fight. I don't think a lot of people are. The winner goes where? I mean, I don't think it's that type of fight. And, again, the books see it for Jackson simply because based off durability. You can see that with the straight line. And then, of course, the over-under confirms that. Main event, Gegard Mousasi and Rory McDonald. This is a good one, but it's a tough ask for Rory. I like Rory a lot as far as his toughness, his heart, his willingness to go through fire to get what he needs to get. But the problem here is he's moving up in weight. He's trying to become a champ at 205. And that's going to that's gonna be a tough ask against Gegard. I mean, 185. Uh, that's going to be a tough ask for Gegard. Be, uh, I mean, for Rory against Gegard because Gegard has been around forever. The guy's got like 50 plus fights and he's faced all kinds of different styles. You see Rory coming up from 170 to 185. He hasn't fought at 85. Gegard's a veteran. He's been around. Granted, sometimes I don't think Gegard looks the best, and I'm starting to question, like, how much does he have left? Then he comes back and he looks better. And then the next fight, I'm kind of questioning again, like, you know how Gegard is. If you guys have watched him, he's got that sleepy, nonchalant attitude, like, eh, whatever. And that kind of carries over into some of his fights, which is dangerous. Like, he certainly can't be that way against Rory. But going in, the books do have Musasi favored at minus 265. And Rory's the underdog at 225. I get that. I think that's accurate. Fight goes to a decision, which is going to be five rounds, is minus 155. Fight doesn't go to a decision, is plus 115. Um, I can make a case for either way with that, honestly, simply because we haven't seen Rory at 185 pounds before. Gegard's a veteran. He's got uh, good submissions. He's got a good ground game. He's got a good uh, stand-up game. He's pretty well-rounded. Um Rory's had trouble like in his uh, last fight against Lima. The leg kicks basically crippled him. If it wasn't for his wrestling, he probably would have lost that fight. He was in really bad shape at the end of it. It's just he took his legs apart. And so I don't think he looked very impressive at all. Even in his wins and some of his epic fights, he takes a lot of damage. And usually what happens is the higher you move up in weight, the harder the guys are, the tougher they are. Gegard's been used to being hit by bigger guys, so I can see why the line is where it is, and I do favor Gegard to win. As far as the over-under or inside and decisions when those come out, I, like I said, I think that's a little more difficult simply because there's no telling how Rory's going to be able to react and take Gegard's assault. We don't know. He gets hit a lot, so... 170 pounders have hurt him. Like I said, Lima took his legs out. That's not going to be lost on Gegard. He's going to see these holes. He's going to see how hittable Rory is. And he's going to try to see how tough he is. He's going to put him to the test. And again, moving up in weight like this is a question mark for Rory. So I get where people might want to back Rory based off his history and stuff. But you always got to factor in who he's facing in the weight the weight class as well that he's moving up to because that could make all the difference in the world. I think this is another case where you probably just, if you want Gegard, you probably just play him straight. He opened a lot lower, which was minus 180. The public is bat him up, and I think that's the right way. I think that's the right way the line should move. I believe Gegard should be the favorite. I believe the money should be coming on coming in on him. If Rory upset him, I'll consider it impressive simply because that's not easy to do to go up 
move up in weight. And then not only move up in weight, but you're not just fighting some scrub. You're fighting a guy who's still in that elite level mix. He's uh, been around the sport for a long time. He's only 33, but like I said, he's got 50 fights. So you're having to overcome a real obstacle. This guy isn't a gimme. He's not an easy out. So if Rory does find a way to win, that's a very impressive win in my book. I don't think he's going to win. But like I said, I don't know if he's going to. I lean towards him getting stopped in a five-round fight simply because he takes so much damage. But I don't think it's really worth the risk if you think you're on the right side with Gegard, especially if you got the earlier line that was even below two to one that's like that's really good line um if you think you're on the right side then i don't think you have to mess with any of the other stuff and again it's the same thing when do the lines come out what they are that's a perfect example gay guard open at minus 180 have you been waiting this entire time for props you've seen his line go out up almost 100 points while you're waiting for totals to come out and props to come out it would have been better just to say I like uh, Gegard and take him straight at minus 180. And then if you had extra money in your bankroll or a line came out that was enticing, then sprinkle a little more cheddar to it. But that's why I tell you guys, when you've already pre-capped these fights, you want to cap them as early as possible. And then as soon as the lines come out, if you see something that you feel is enticing, even if it's not the props you wanted, normally the straights come out first. Then you just pull the trigger. You can always sprinkle a little something, something on later on. But this is a prime example of how these late lines come out. Because say everybody likes Gegard, right? I like Gegard. You like Gegard. We like Gegard. And we're sitting here. What do we have to bet? There's nothing to bet but Gegard straight. So what are you going to do? You start seeing this line go 80, 90, 2, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. Come on. At some point, you're like, screw this. I got to pull the trigger. So you bet. I bet. We bet. All of us bet. The line keeps going higher and higher and higher. You're either going to get priced out and then have to hope and pray to the combat sports gods that the prop that you're looking at, whether it's decision, a total, uh, inside, whatever it is that you really want to bet, is a good enough line to bet, or maybe you're going to pay a higher price. You're just going to get a worse line. So these are things to think about when you see these lines, and especially on Bellator, guys. I can tell you that. From my experience, this is how it always works with Bellator. I don't think that's ever going to change. Maybe now that they're working with the zone and putting their content on the streaming service, we'll get some of the non-tape you know, tape delay crap. We'll get rid of that. And maybe we'll get better start times. or Because, again, they do this stuff on Friday, and it's like 6 o'clock uh, Pacific time. Most people are out and about and driving home and making dinner for the kids or whatever they got going on. Most people aren't plopped down in front of their TV to watch Paramount or on their computer to watch Paramount and or even a tape delay. So I think that's why they have poor numbers most of the time for their cards. That's just the honest truth. I I don't know if people are going to pay for zone strictly for Bellator, to be honest with you. But I don't think it can hurt them, really. Like, I mean, you've got to, you've got to get the count. Even their website is confusing. Sometimes you go there, you're not sure how many cards are going to be on the zone. 
if it's going to be shown on Paramount on a tape delay basis, it's all messed up. So they need to get their crap in order when it comes to that. That's just some of the reasons that I really don't touch Bellator. But again, we have a slow week as far as um, UFC goes. One of the rare weeks where they're not doing anything on Saturday. And so this card was there. The straight lines were there. I waited as long as I could. Again, I, I apologize for putting it out so late, but I was waiting and waiting and waiting for these props and totals so I could kind of break it down a little bit more and just give you a better opinion instead of Musasi, uh, Lima, Melendez. And that'd be like a two-minute podcast. So I wanted to go into the odds a little bit more, break it down how I saw the fight going. You know, if you guys have listened to the podcast, how I do it. But unfortunately, I only had straight lines and totals to deal with. So hopefully that's okay with you guys. Like I said, go ahead and wait for those props if you, uh, you know, if you're interested in what the lines are going to be. Maybe you can get a little sprinkle here, there on something. Uh, probably later today or tomorrow sucks when you're betting but that's just the way it is hopefully that changes in the future all right that's it for this episode of fight junkie i will sock it to you tomorrow baby fight junkie